the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. During the summer, our kids were to read every day if they hoped to play video games or watch television. Maybe you had a similar rule in your house. Maybe your kids followed it all the time. It did not always happen in our house. But one day, as I was on the back porch coming inside, I heard noise, like louder noise than usual. So I poked my head in the back door, and I heard my six-and-a-half-year-old, Robinson, yelling, and Sam, his dad, sitting quietly next to him on the sofa. So this is not normal behavior in our house. I didn't quite know what was going on. And so I just looked, and Robinson is holding a book in his hands. It's a book entitled, Waiting is Not Easy. And he is shouting the words of the book. All of them, whether or not they had an exclamation point next to them or not. Waiting is not easy. Every single word, yelling it. And so it became a game to scream read books. So he began reading more and more enthusiastically and voraciously um, as parents, Sam and I were highly amused. Um, his older sister, Josephine, was underwhelmed and irritated because she was trying to read as well and the scream reading was not working for her. However, it kind of has helped prepare him for first grade and his means of getting the job done was quite disruptive However, the normal order of the house still was okay, right? So he was disrupting what was normal. And as I read this passage from Luke today, I thought about the scream reading of a children's book because Jesus is disrupting the normal order of the world by imparting this good news. Last week, John preached about the passage that comes just before this, in which Jesus is telling the crowd to get ready, to be prepared, to be alert. Today, we hear that judgment is coming. You know, we forget sometimes that Jesus is also a prophet, and today he shines forth his prophetness. He says, I came to bring fire to the earth, to the land, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under. That can also be translated, I am trying to hold it all together. Can you imagine Jesus quaking, trying to hold it all together? until the work is completed. He continues, Do you think that I have come to bring peace 
Maybe also we, we want to think that that peace means prosperity. Do you think I've come to bring prosperity to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Jesus is imparting this message so that maybe he will get people's attention as the prophets who came before him. It's no accident that the other readings we have today speak of prophets and of God shaking us to pay attention. Jesus wants to impart this message so that the people of Israel will maybe just this once pay attention to what it means what it looks like to love God more than the creature comforts of the world around them. Jesus is calling the people to live into God's promise to rely upon God. He issues these strong prophetic warnings, calling all to come, knowing that not all of them will do so. I find it interesting that the divisions Jesus cites numerically, that, that household of five being divided, it's three and two and two and three. It's not a four and one. Even in division and disunion, no one will be alone. even in times of separation. You remember the prophetic warning that Jesus issued that the temple would be torn down and raised up again in three days? That got attention. It also is holding up that destruction is ahead. And where there is destruction, there is rubble and dust and disruption and mess and heartache and remembering how it used to be. It will be hard and sad, and Jesus will not leave us comfortless in the change. Jesus being a, a prophet sometimes gets filed down. Those rough edges get smoothed in the beautiful portraits we paint and the images we have of Jesus as the good shepherd who sits on the ground and the children gather, right? However, this prophet speaks truth that is sometimes unsettling because perhaps this peace that Jesus talks about is not bringing peace to the earth. It is bringing peace to our hearts. It is bringing peace where God's peace must dwell all the time. While God created this, yet we do not always live as God has called us to live, and we see that throughout the Old Testament and in the tension of the New Testament. You know, when we think about prophets... John the Baptist comes to mind, maybe, wearing camel's hair and smelling weird. And um, we don't imagine Jesus usually in that same vein, yet the words he says today are disruptive because they're reminding us that this world 
is not to look as much like this world, but to look like what God is calling it to look like. It is God's peace, which we sang about in our hymn just before the gospel. The peace of God, it is no peace, but strife closed in the sod. Yet let us pray for but one thing, the marvelous peace of God. That peace is not always easy and beautiful, and sometimes it feels like screaming. I heard a story on Friday night that, um, that surprised me a little bit. I heard a new detail. Um, Becky and I both went down to Montgomery for a dinner for some people who were gathering before the pilgrimage, um, the Jonathan Daniels pilgrimage in Hainville, Alabama. And so there was a gathering from the Seminary of the Southwest who came, and folks from Vermont and all over the place. And as part of that dinner, we heard a little bit about Jonathan Daniels and his life and his story. You may have heard of Jonathan. He was a seminarian from New Hampshire who came down to Alabama to help black people register to vote in the height of the civil rights struggle in our country, and in doing so, he was martyred. It didn't happen immediately. He, he actually withdrew from seminary for a little while to come down and answer God's call for this young white man to be amidst the black belt of Alabama and to help use his voice to advocate for those whose voices were not being heard. And so he was helping in Lowndes County, a very rural area. Um, he was jailed several times for his actions. Um, the jails were terrible and um, an awful experience. He was invited into homes of people in the area. He became friends with them. He worshiped with them. They went over to Selma and went to St. Paul's Episcopal Church and went to church there, which caused a bit of a disturbance. He went to the communion rail with um, his black friends, and he was not given communion. Now, priests know that if you deny someone communion, you have to write the bishop and let them know this. So it's not usually a smiled-upon thing. You don't usually deny someone communion. In protest of that, what I learned about Jonathan is that he went to Carpenter House in Birmingham and picketed outside the bishop's office, holding up a sign in downtown Birmingham saying that it was not right that he had been denied the body and blood of Christ. That changed the way I saw Jonathan. I saw him as a young man who the children of the Black Belt loved. People wanted to be near him. I knew his story of once being released from jail. He and his imprisoned friends went to Cash's store to get a Coca-Cola on a hot August day. And the man of the store said that Ruby Sales, a young black teenager, could not come in. And then he pulled out a shotgun and shot her. And Jonathan jumped in front and took the bullet so that Ruby was left physically unmarred. Jonathan died a martyr. And yet I didn't know about his 
courage to carry a sign out in front of our bishop's office. Sometimes following Jesus means creating a disturbance. It is not easy, and yet it is because we pursue the peace of Christ that we do this. It is days like today when we read about prophets and we read and know about martyrs, where we are encouraged, where we Though we may struggle with interpreting the present time, we see those around us and we follow the goodness. We follow those dedicated to love and love and love to the end at all cost. It is not easy. It is messy. And yet they become that great cloud of witnesses who inspire us. They inspire us today and they inspire us tomorrow to live boldly. And we do not do this ever alone. We do it with the encouragement and the fervor that Christ inspires in us. So let us not shave off those hard edges of Jesus. Let's remember Jesus the prophet spoke truth. May you speak truth and live that truth. To the glory of God, amen.